This is Deep Dive. I'm Fei Fei. China's eased its COVID-19 response measures, doing away with strict travel curbs and testing requirements. A noticeable change is that people no longer have to take regular tests. They can also visit most public places and take public transportation without needing to show a valid negative test result. We had to search for testing centers before going anywhere. It's more convenient now that the requirement has been changed. I had to stay at home for three days. It wasn't too bad. The new policies are good. The government is going in the right direction. We hope things will get better from here. The new measures have eased pressure on our operations, both online and at the store. Customers are not panic buying anymore. I think life is getting back to normal quickly. Global economic leaders from the WTO, IMF, and the World Bank expect the relaxation of the curbs to give a strong boost to the recovery of the economy. The new COVID policies that uh, China is now putting in place, uh, we hope, will help remove uh, one set of uncertainties or mitigate them. Combined with uh, steps China intends to pursue for more broad-based vaccinations, provision of antiviral treatments. All of this is very good for the Chinese people, but it is also important for Asia and the rest of the world. We welcome the announcement earlier this week of an easing of some of the COVID-related restrictions. These adjustments will support the strength of the recovery, both in China and globally. Some suggest it's the right time to ease the control measures as symptoms of most patients have become milder over time. There are also those who are concerned that the change may have been too quick, and the country may not have adequately prepared itself to deal with a potential surge in infections, leading to the healthcare system being overwhelmed. China adopted what might be the strictest COVID response since the pandemic began, following a principle that it says puts people's lives first. Under this policy, the country has seen low COVID cases and death counts, and achieved better economic performance than many others in the world. But why has it decided to change the way it deals with the pandemic at this moment? For this, I spoke with CGTN reporter Huang Yue, who has closely observed China's fight against COVID-19 for the past three years. Let's talk about Wuhan. Early 2020, you were there when the city was put into lockdown. And now, in retrospect, how would you describe your time over there? Yeah. So,、uh, firstly, I want to simply give a timeline of the outbreak in Wuhan in 2020, so that、um, our listeners can be more clear about it. So, as early as on December the 27th,、uh, 2019, a local doctor named Zhang Zixian reported to、uh, local Wuhan authorities that she received some patients with pneumonia, which、uh, she. As a very experienced and senior doctor who has experienced the SARS outbreak, thought the pneumonia was very strange, as she said. And then two days later, on December twenty ninth, she reported to the authorities again. And on December the thirtieth, Wuhan health authorities issued an urgent notice to the city's hospitals and medical institutions to tell them to pay attention to an unknown pneumonia during their work. And one day later, on December the thirty-first, experts from China's CDC went to Wuhan for research. And on January the eighth, 
experts had a preliminary confirmation that the new coronavirus is the pathogen of the epidemic. And from 10 a.m. on January the 23rd, a one day before China's Lunar New Year, Wuhan announced a citywide lockdown. I went to Wuhan on February the 4th, 2020 from Beijing. That's nearly two weeks after the lockdown of the city. And the day I arrived in Wuhan, I, I still remember, I feel shocked. I knew it was very severe, but when I stepped on the land of the city, I, I still couldn't believe my eyes because what you saw was an empty city. And, and to be honest, now I'm not very sure about the weather of the day I arrived, but I just remembered it's really a gloomy day. I'm not sure whether if it's because of the weather or because of my feelings. You know, the city we are talking about, Wuhan, has a population of 14 million people, but you could not see anyone on the street. Uh, well, there were only a few trucks with uh, banners saying uh, supporting Wuhan or something like that. And they were carrying medical supplies like face masks, goggles, those PPE. At that time, uh, those things were in short supply. So other parts of the country were uh, trying their best to donate or contribute as much as possible to Wuhan. And after I arrived, immediately we started to do some reports. Uh, I went to hospitals, residential compounds, supermarkets. When I arrived, the makeshift hospitals, uh, Huoshenshan and Leishenshan, were still under construction. Mm. And the government was also uh, rushing to transform the city's big exhibition centers or gymnasiums into temporary hospitals or uh, what we call Yuan for those patients with uh, mild symptoms. So yes. the, the Huoshenshan and the other makeshift hospitals were the ones that got widely reported worldwide because mm -hmm. the speed of the construction? Yes, Huoshenshan and Leishenshan hospitals. I remember they were completed within two weeks, maybe in just 10 days. And those temporary hospitals transformed by the exhibition centers, I believe they used only like two to three days to put all those beds and necessary uh, things into those exhibition centers to make them like the hospital, the temporary hospitals. Were you able mm -hmm. to talk to the patients at that time who were in these hospitals, in these medical facilities? Yes, of course. You know, first, we should admit that there were situations like some patients couldn't get treatment in time because at that time, the city's healthcare systems had been stretched to the breaking point. And later on, as those temporary hospitals were put into use very soon, those patients could finally get a bed, get treatment. And even though we don't really have very qualified protective suits, we tried to get into those hospitals and try to talk to those patients. And in the uh, temporary hospitals, patients were with uh, mild symptoms. So for them, they look better than those in the designated hospitals. Uh, the first batch of temporary hospitals started to re receive patients just like two days after I arrived. So the, uh, the patients inside those uh, hospitals, those who were taking care of them were doctors and nurses from different provinces across China. And they were not the most difficult ones. There were many severe cases. And, you know, the number of severe cases in hospitals in Wuhan peaked at uh, uh, mid-February nearly over 9,000 patients, and uh, they 
are in severe conditions were those who had chronic diseases. So for them, they had to be taken to the ICU and to use those equipment like ECMO. And I also went to an ICU ward and I saw a patient with uh, so many tubes in her and was in a coma and doctors changed shifts every four hours. And when they changed shift, they could, they would gather beside the bed and call the name of the patient to see whether she had any response. And I still remember that scene, doctors and nurses gathered together and uh, call the patient's name repeatedly, but they got no reply. At that time, there's no such thing as medicine that could specifically treat COVID itself. You know, in the end, according to the official data, over 40,000 medical workers from all around the country had joined in the battle against the pandemic in Wuhan, and they had been working in 16 temporary hospitals and over 80 designated hospitals. And uh, on March the 18th, Wuhan, for the first time since the outbreak, reported no new infections. Even though Wuhan reopened the city on April the 8th, my colleagues and I still stayed until the end of April because we also wanted to uh, report more on the recovery of the city's different fields, like the reopening of business, resumption of factories. And on the day we left Wuhan, when we got on board the train back to Beijing on April the 25th, the last batch of patients were discharged, meaning Wuhan finally cleared all cases. Yeah, so it sounds like a really dire battle at that time in Wuhan and also in China. And then moving on to 2021, when people are thinking we are having the coronavirus under control, a new variant called the Delta came to the world and it continued to weigh on the world, including China. So then how was China dealing with Delta in 2021? In fact, in July 2021, uh, health authorities in Nanjing, uh, the capital city of uh, East China's Jiangsu province, confirmed the Delta variant was detected in its recent COVID-19 outbreak. And it was after a group of staff members at Nanjing's Lukou International Airport tested positive for the virus. And later on, uh, Nanjing government shut down long-haul bus services out of the city and all taxis and vehicles used by uh, ride-hailing services were also banned from leaving. And in addition to Nanjing, later new infections were also reported among flight passengers who have visited the airport and their contacts in other parts of China, uh, such as the provinces of uh, Guangdong, uh, Sichuan, and Liaoning, and also Chinese capital Beijing uh, reported locally transmitted confirmed cases at that time. And also China's renowned scenic area, Zhang Jiajie, uh, reported several cases and you know because it's a tourist attraction and tourists then went back to their home cities so that also caused other transmissions uh, who said the delta variant is the uh, fastest and fittest coronavirus strain that picks off the most vulnerable people so facing the delta variant china upgraded measures to contain the resurgence. Nanjing, for example, uh, launched at least three rounds of uh, all-inclusive nuclear acid testings and urged its residents not to leave the city unless necessary. And in order to uh, enhance its uh, nuclear acid testing capabilities, 
Nanjing also built six advanced air-inflated testing labs, which could uh, screen up to, according to reports, 1.8 million people every day by using the mixed testing approach. And you know, since it was summertime, which is normally a trouble season for Chinese people. At that time, many experts also suggested to uh, strengthen prevention measures at popular scenic spots, major airports and railway stations. So Zhang Jiajie, it closed all its tourist sites soon after the latest infections. In 2021, China has already been calling for people to get vaccinated. And in summer, Beijing had already started the vaccination for people aged 15 to 17, which is uh, after its mass vaccination for people between uh, 18 to 60, and then for people aged over 60. So different from the outbreak in Wuhan, many people in the country have already been vaccinated or will get vaccinated soon, which is proved an effective way to protect yourself from the virus. And then coming to this year, 2022, and then we have another variant called Omicron coming into the scene. And this time you actually went to Shanghai to cover Mm -hmm. that outbreak in March, I think. So how Mm -hmm. was that reporting different from what you saw in Wuhan in 2020? Yeah, Shanghai is um, another different case. In fact, generally speaking, a Delta variant didn't really cause a large-scale lockdown or a large number of infections, although it did spread very fast and had spread to many cities across the country. But Omicron is different, especially when we look at Shanghai. You know, the Omicron outbreak Shanghai faced this spring was kind of unexpected. We can say it's most stringent antivirus measures ever at that time. Again, after I arrived, I saw that scene again, an empty city, and this time it's Shanghai. In the end of uh, March, Shanghai ordered two-phase mass testing and sealing off plants, pressing uh, what we call the pause button on the really bustling metropolis. Public transport, taxes, and car hailing services were suspended in uh, many areas, almost the whole city, while the cross-river bridges and tunnels were also closed. And the Shanghai government also built uh, isolation sites. Uh, They conducted nuclear acid tests on the city's 24 million people while trying to guarantee their food supplies and smooth medical channels for its residents. And what's also different was that in Shanghai's outbreak, there were a large number of uh, asymptomatic patients. Um, I remember when we checked the daily updates of the new infections, it's often like thousands of new asymptomatic cases, but only dozens of confirmed cases. And some experts said that's because of the vaccine, because most people had get vaccinated, which had effectively protected them from getting into a severe condition. But of course, it's also because of the new features of the Omicron variant. But since it's Shanghai, it's Shanghai, right? It's not only the financial center of China, it also has significant influence on the world. The stock market won't stop opening just because of the virus. So the Shanghai uh, Shanghai Stock Exchange uh, remained in operation as uh, um, paperwork can be done online. And I know many of its uh, staff members just lived in the office. 
And you know, Shanghai is also an important hub for semiconductor industry. So many companies have allowed their、uh, workers to live in the factories while also try to try their best to guarantee the food and basic daily necessities of their workers. And just like some experts said, Shanghai did not adopt a one-size-fits-all approach to handle this outbreak. And although it did have、uh, influenced the economic growth, it had tried its best to minimize the impact of、uh, antivirus measures on people's daily lives. Yes. So now, looking back at these three years. Especially when you have a lot of reporting experiences with the response measures to COVID nineteen, what do you think is the end game from the perspective of Chinese experts and officials in these fight against the virus? You know, so as you can see, recently China has announced a series of new measures for、uh, controlling the virus. Previously, we had what we call twenty measures. And just several days ago, China issued the new ten measures again. The latest new ten measures on December eighth, China released a cir- circular on further optimizing the COVID nineteen response, announcing ten prevention and control measures. It prohibits arbitrary expansion of high risk areas. Such areas should be designated by buildings. Units, floors, and households instead of,、uh, like before, residential compounds, communities, and subdistricts like towns or even the city, and、uh, people will not be、uh, subjected to mass testing according to administrative regions, and the scope and the frequency of testing will be further reduced. And apart from nursing homes, medical institutions, primary and secondary schools, kindergartens, and other、uh, special places, people will no longer be required to provide their negative nucleic acid test results and undergo health code checks to access public venues or travel to other regions. And if their home conditions allow, asymptomatic carriers and those with mild symptoms. Can undergo home quarantine, while close contacts should undergo five days of home quarantine. And quarantine measures imposed on high-risk areas、uh, will be lifted if n- no new infections are reported、uh, for five consecutive days. The circular also urged that people's basic needs to purchase medicine、uh, should be ensured, and pharmacies、uh, should operate normally, and、uh, willful、uh, closure are prohibited. Well,、uh, what's more important, vaccination efforts should be ramped up among the elderly, with a focus on improving the vaccination rate among people aged between 60 and 79, and the vaccination rate among people aged 80 and older should be also accelerated. And、uh, vaccination services will be optimized by setting up special channels and temporary vaccination sites, and deploying mobile vaccination vehicles, according to the circular. And primary level medical institutions and family doctors should deliver targeted services to key groups based on the health status of、uh, elderly people, and the normal functioning of the society and basic medical services must continue, and the non、uh, high risk areas will not impose travel restrictions or、uh, suspend businesses. The schools. 
reporting no COVID-19 cases should function normally, and those affected by the epidemic should uh, precisely designate risk areas and ensure normal functioning in unaffected areas. So these are basically the content of the new measures. To conclude, uh, there are some very important points people care a lot. Firstly, people now are not required to frequently do PCR tests, right? And secondly, even if you get the positive result, you can choose to stay at home for recovery instead of being forced to go to hospital. And thirdly, schools will gradually return to normal, although soon the winter holiday will come. So basically, I think this is the current situation. It looks like that as the virus is changing and the response measures are also changing accordingly. But I'm also curious about the treatment and especially the medicine that's been used. So can you tell us more about the development of medicine? Well, you know, since the outbreak in 2020 in Wuhan, China has been using the traditional Chinese medicine for treatment of COVID patients. Um, uh, data shows in 2020 in Wuhan, over 60,000 confirmed patients were treated by the combination of uh, TCM and Western medicine. A clinical efficacy observation showed that the total effective rate of TCM reached more than 90%. And earlier, the senior TCM expert Zhang Boli also said that the synergy of TCM and Western medicine is a highlight of China's experience in combating the COVID-19 pandemic. He's also the one who joined the frontline battle against the pandemic in Wuhan. So he uh, cited his firsthand experience in Wuhan. And he said that early intervention of uh, TCM in patients combined with a stringent quarantine played a very crucial role in keeping the epidemic at bay in the earlier days. So in recent outbreak in Guangzhou, it's also reported that TCM is used in more than 95% of treatment. But you know, in addition to the medicine, one of the most effective way to protect yourself now is the vaccine, right? And that's why China is also ramping up vaccination efforts among the elderly. And so that's why the country has released a working plan, which urged efforts to ensure precise research and management and further improve relevant services and enhance supervision regarding vaccination work among the elderly. And it called for efforts to accelerate the increase of vaccination rate among the people aged 80 and older and continue to raise that among people aged between 60 and 79. Uh, so far, China has um, 13 vaccines that have been approved, including those inactivated vaccines and also the recombinant protein-based vaccines, viral vector vaccines, and nasal spray influenza virus vector vaccine, and more. In addition to those continuously updating or optimizing the treatment plans and also pushing forward their vaccination. China has also granted conditional approval for the imports of Pfizer's Paxlovid COVID-19 pills. Those pills can be given to patients who, for example, who are in old age or have chronic diseases, diabetes, or lung diseases, things like that. So is that all? Is uh, vaccination and in combination with medicine, regardless of traditional Chinese medicine or Western medicine, is that mm -hmm. the measures we need to treat the coronavirus from now on? Or is there something more we can do? 
Yes, uh, since the outbreak, China has also put a lot of efforts for the cultivation of medical workers because after such a great challenge, we have realized how important for us to have more qualified medical workers. For example, China announced it will uh, cultivate about 100,000 traditional Chinese medicine professionals over the next five to 10 years in a bit to expedite TCM development. And also just several days ago, China's coastal city of Xiamen uh, has also legislated to protect healthcare workers from occupational exposure marking a pioneering effort in China to better safeguard the group against hazards during work. The country is wrapping up its preparedness for the impact of COVID-19. On Friday, the National Health Commission stressed the need to improve intensive care and COVID-19 treatment resources. It called for efforts to boost medical services for the pregnant, children and the elderly. It also required COVID-19 makeshift hospitals to be retrofitted and high-level hospitals to increase the number of convertible beds so as to guarantee sufficient capacity when necessary. All the expansion and upgrading must be completed before the end of December. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. For more episodes about what's happening in China and the rest of the world, you can follow our show. You can also leave comments tell us what you think about the show. This episode is brought to you by me, Fei Fei, and my colleague Zhang Zhang. Special thanks to CGTN reporter Huang Yuan. See you next time.